So churchianity gets offended when you get blessed by someone who you want to marginalize. He or she, they're different. They're different. Your obedience is so that others wow. can be saved. Wow. We have people that are in churchianity and saying we're Christians, but they're not actually Christians because they don't even know Jesus. Hey guys, uh, this is the final three episodes of this season. Uh, we've taken a long time to get here. <laughs> thank you for your patience, or if you weren't patient, thank you for still listening, even if you were impatient. But uh, I, I think we really believe that this is this is worth the wait. We're sitting down today with a really good friend of ours, uh, Buster Swoops, or Professor Buster Swoops. Um, he's on his way to getting his, his doctorate, right, Michael? Yep, that's true. So, so he's, he's a good friend of ours, very wise, and uh, we're going to be talking about three main things. Michael, you want to run by the three things we're breaking down? Yeah, well, first, just so we're clear, I'm Michael, and that's Johnny. Oh, yeah, I'm Johnny. That's Michael. <laughs> and here's what we're going to be going through in the next uh, couple of episodes. We start off with kind of a general treatment of churchianity versus Christianity. We wanted to pick Buster's brain about that. And then in the second episode, we move on to evangelism and a big piece of feedback that we heard from our I think it was episode three of season two. Sure, yes. Four. No, it was episode four. It's definitely um, season two. It's season two, our evangelism <laughs> episode. A big piece of feedback we got was like, you guys did a fantastic episode, but you left the conversation too early. We want to know about what is working, not just the grievances of what's come before. So, yeah. No, go ahead. You, you were on a roll and I just threw you off. <laughs> I was just going to say we're excellent at breaking it down, but sometimes we're, we're not so good at building it back up. So Buster That's does true. an excellent job at reconstructing, uh, you know, this demolition that we created uh, and facilitated of evangelism. Yeah. And we brought in the expert. He's a practitioner in that. And uh, it was very, I think, very fruitful. Came away with some practical tips there. And then lastly, we finish up with uh, a conversation about racism and um, Buster's experience with that um, in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So we are super excited for you to hear those episodes. And I think without further ado, we'll let Buster introduce himself and we'll roll into the first episode. Let's do it. My name is Buster Swoops Jr. I'm an assistant professor of uh, religion at Southwestern Adventist University. Uh, before that, I've, I've well I've been teaching for the last three years. Uh, before that, I pastored uh, Texas Conference. I was with them for 12 years, two and a half years in there. We're at Andrews University, so okay. right now working on my uh, doctor of ministry. Probably about halfway through. Really excited. Church revitalization is the emphasis there, and. I'm really working on uh, how servant leadership actually leads towards uh, church revitalization. So mm. a lot of things going on, a lot of things happening. Probably the most ex exciting thing happening is just being with young people and seeing them come alive because of the story of Jesus Christ. Mm. Mm. Um, that's just been one of my highlights. It's revitalized my own ministry. Uh, yeah, uh, it's just It's just been great. And if I can brag a little bit real quick, I have uh, two students this weekend that preach. One preach for Elevate, mm -hmm. and uh, I he did such a phenomenal job. Um, well, I'll, I'll go back. He interviewed with several conferences, and no one gave him a call. Oh, really? Uh, he's a horrible interviewer. <laughs> I, I told him that to his face. He knows it. <laughs> uh, but he preached the Sabbath, and yeah. two conference presidents 
at the spot offered him a offered him positions. No way, I didn't know that. Two, Dude. Yeah, yep. Two, two conferences came up to him right after wow. and said, "Where are you? We want you. You have a job with us." <laughs> that that gives me chills. I, exactly. I'm like, that's oh cool. man, that's so, so exciting. And then the other one, uh, she's a female and mm-hmm. uh, she's she's older. She's part of the staff at Southwestern, but she mm-hmm. took our biblical preaching class and she did both semesters. Yeah. And it was, she said it was transformative for her. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I'm sorry, uh, I messed up, but I'm glad the Holy Spirit showed up, right? <laughs> uh, but she preached this weekend. At at the Crowley Seventh-day Adventist Church, and after she was done, a lady who really doesn't believe in women being pastors or actually getting up front to, to preach yeah. came up to me afterwards and said, if that's how all women preach, we need more of those. Mercy. Wow. And I told her, I said, Renata, you have no idea how big of a deal that is. Wow. And so just, just seeing what God is doing, uh, I know we joked about it earlier, but it's by the foolishness of preaching, right, that yeah. God has decided to do this work, and, and God is doing the work. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. I, yeah. I have a lot I want to ask you just on that. <laughs> um, but the, I want to start with definitions. Yes. So you're talking about uh, revitalization of the church. What what to you, uh, how would you define revitalization? So, so revitalization, first, you're looking at church health, right? And so a church that is declining uh, in multiple areas... Uh, most of the time we look at tithe and we look at attendance and those are those are good factors, but also in spirituality is my focus. When a church is declining in spirituality, then everything else starts to crumble as well. Hmm. And so bringing a church back towards health and as it's growing back towards health, then it's being revitalized as a result of, to me, the spirituality is the answer once again. Hmm. So leading a church that's declining back towards health in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Baptizing that church into health, right? There we go. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Man, I like that. So so what? what's like, I, I don't know, maybe this is a spoiler for your upcoming, you know, dissertation, but so far, what's, what's the favorite thing that you have found uh, from this study in servant leadership and like how have you applied that to yourself or how do you try to force others? No, I'm just kidding. How do you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, what's, so, what's so exciting about the process is I've had a class now in, preaching for church revitalization. I'm like, oh, I love this. And I had one in leadership and church revitalization. And this last semester, I, I wrote a paper on servant leadership and revitalization, Told, decided to, to scrap out my old project, which was going to be how spiritual disciplines, right? Just spending time with Jesus is the mm-hmm. thing that does it. And then I wrote it on how spirit, uh, or how servant leadership is a thing that leads towards revitalization. As I wrote it, my wife read it, and like she, she had tears in her eyes. She said, "This is you. This is a, this is your heart on paper." Mm. Uh, wow. She said, "This is how you pastored. You pastored with a servant's heart, right?" So recognizing that the church doesn't belong to me, the people don't belong to me. I belong to Christ. They belong to Christ. I need to remind them of that process, right? Yeah. So that we can all belong to Christ. So therefore, we serve each other because that's what He did. Uh, the Son of Man did not come to did not seek to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Yeah. Uh, and so, if the church remembered that, would stop ladder climbing, would stop yeah. bashing people, would stop uh, uh, trying to place ourselves above others, would stop acting like the Pharisaic church, and would actually yeah. be the church that God has called us to be. Yeah. Um, so let's dive into, our listeners will be familiar with the, the concepts of churchianity versus Christianity. Um, and I think that as you, uh, you're mentioning the dissertation that you're doing, kind of the, the servant leadership is transformational and revitalizing of, of churches. Um, could you maybe unpack that a little bit more and, and maybe in those terms of, uh, of churchianity versus Christianity? Because it sounds like 
there's there's a form of Christianity that you're using to then to revitalize churchianity. Yeah. So if we if we look at the definition of church, we have it wrong in our century, which is churches, this place this is where we go visit and we sit around and we have worship, right? And then mm-hmm. we sing some songs and everything else. And then, oh, well, great sermon. And then we go home, mm-hmm. right? That is not church. That's not the definition of church. Mm-hmm. Church has always been the people. Mm-hmm. And that is an ever-growing body of people. As a matter of fact, at its best, it's an exponentially growing body. Uh, it's multiplying yeah. all the time because of what Christ has called us to do. And so churchianity uh, versus Christianity, Christianity as best, we're all disciples. We recognize our calling. We're going out to do, doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, churchianity is we're all members, mm-hmm. members of basically a club where we sit down and if you keep these 28 things correctly, then maybe you can join the club. If not, well, you don't belong here. Yeah. Yeah. So what led to your, your, that understanding? What like led if, that? If you got a story or, or something. That... I have so many stories. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just going through uh, my studies here at Southwestern, then again at Andrews and just recognizing, uh, comparing it to what I actually saw in the field and seeing what we're actually being called to do as pastors. I'm sorry, conferences, if you're hearing this, but basically go out and get us. It's a, it's a sort of a corporate model, and mm-hmm. we don't want to we don't want to mm-hmm. acknowledge it, yeah. but it is. Go out, grow a church, get us more money, get us more members, so we look really good. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there has to be more to it. And they're actually after the byproducts. The byproducts are man, if I have a spiritual life and I inspire and motivate motivate people to spend time with Jesus and have a spiritual life, those yeah. are the natural outpourings of it. And there's no cookie cutter model that can do that. There's, it is, uh, I love the discipleship handbook of the Adventist church that says, disciples are people that spend time with Jesus and become more like Jesus because of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. I can't, I can't, help you to spend time with Jesus unless you want to, right? Yeah. And so it, it, all that to be said is just saying simply, if we're going to be the church, um, we actually have to remember, remember that the church is actually the bride of Christ and we belong to Christ. So therefore we need to be spending more time with Christ. Hmm. And uh, so uh, I'll let you ask another follow-up <laughs> question because I know <laughs> you're, you're, you're allowing me to go on a rant. So <laughs> No, I mean, please like continue because I think that um, Johnny and I are, are in that, that same uh, kind of same boat of that just frustration with the, the engine that it's like a flywheel. Yeah. The church is like a flywheel right now that it's just been spinning and spinning yep. and spinning on the backs of, of numbers. Yeah. And, and there, there's no way to get around that unless we start really looking at the numbers that matter, mm. which is retention. Mm-hmm. which yep. is we are the one of the worst at it. We have so many former Adventists, and if you're one of those former Adventists, I'm sorry because we have yeah. done you wrong. We have focused so much on the baptism that we forgot that the true growth that takes place is after. Yeah. Mm. It's not even before. Uh, we look at it as this graduation, and it's supposed to be the commencement. It's not the commencement. It's actually the, the marriage. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't know about uh, all three of us here are married. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've never... I can't imagine the day after Laura and I got married, and I said, "Hey, uh, all right, um, I'll see you next. I'll, I'll see you next Saturday. <laughs> Once a week, we're good, right? <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Other than that, don't really talk to me. Don't call me. Yeah. Maybe every once in a while, I'll spend two days a week. <laughs> How does that sound? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's supposed to be this community, this beautiful thing where of us meshing together, of us living life together, and it doesn't happen. Yeah. And so, therefore, 
the world, as you call it, has been doing a better job of, of being the church than we have. Mm. And actually wanting to be together, yeah. right? Yeah. Like yeah. We, we, we do this formal thing and we have all the theology correct, but it sucks to be there. You yeah. don't want to be there. You want to go home. And, and one of the things I've been hearing, uh, a, a conversation that I just love within the church is wanting to spend time with God. Yeah. A desiring and, and having the action go before the feeling. Yeah. Mm. The, it's the right thing to do and trust that the Holy Spirit will supply that feeling. And, oh. and oh man, that makes it make sense for me. Yeah. You know, and, and I kind of want to pivot back to kind of what you were talking about earlier. Um, the way that we've been talking about churchianity versus Christianity is that Christianity is the, the true representation of Jesus and churchianity is the satanic falsehood. Yeah. You know, let's just mm-hmm. call it what it is. Mm-hmm. So as you see servant leadership and the revitalization within Christianity, the true um, uh, expression of Jesus, how would you define a false version of servant leadership within churchianity? What is something that you've seen that tries to get the same results, so to speak, but shortcuts the relationship or the selflessness? Do you know kind of how? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And that's one of the things, that's probably one of the only things I concentrate in pastoral ministry. I was talking to this uh, with Michael a couple months ago, which is we have a lot of people that come into pastoral ministry because they see the accolades the pastors get. They see the adulation. They see the fact that they get up front to preach. Yeah. And after at the end of the sermon, people are going by saying, what a wonderful sermon, Pastor. They see the pat on the back they get if they have baptisms, and they love that feeling. Mm. But it's so much more than the feeling. It, it is it is comes out of service. And so the falsehood of that, uh, of servant leadership, is actually self-seeking, wow. right? It is selfish in nature. It is works-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so wow. if you look at works-based leadership or you look at selfish leadership— uh, that is oftentimes what drives our church, which is if I have a if I have an elder in my church that preaches better than I do, which I've had before, praise the Lord I did, right? Because it means I get breaks more often <laughs> and the church is not going to complain about it. But if if I'm self-seeking, I look at that as a threat. Mm. And I say, no, I'm the I'm the I'm the shepherd of this flock. How dare you, right? Uh there's so many different things that that lead us towards trying to gain things for ourselves rather than giving of ourselves and realizing that's the best blessing we could ever have. Mm. And if you look at Christ, I mean, Luke four sixteen when it says as was his custom he went to synagogue right like that he did the Sabbath after Sabbath. Can you imagine being savior of the entire universe, actually God, and subjecting yourself to human preaching? <laughs> mm. <laughs> Like, can, can you imagine, like, listen, wow. we have homiletics and we've all, like, been critiqued on our sermons. Can you imagine the critiques that are going through Jesus' head and yet he's sitting there and he's nodding his head and he's getting something out of it? Wow. Mm. That's true servant leadership, which is, yeah, yeah, sometimes I go to church and I don't, I don't get everything I want out of it, but I love being with the people. I yeah. love seeing their lives. I love the vulnerability, the authenticity. And if I can give that, I would I will gladly subject myself to bad preaching to to bad music, right? Because that's yeah. not we always say, oh, if you improve that, then everything else will go right. No, it's where's your heart at? Mm-hmm. Where's your heart really at? What are you come actually seeking? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing a study on the book of uh, the books of the the letters to the Thessalonians by Paul. I'm gonna do a teaching series on it this summer. Oh, let's go! And I love how Paul begins those two letters. He says, Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy to the church in Thessalonica. Uh. And uh, there's a, a commentator by, I can't remember if it's George Knight or John Stott that points it out, but he says that in Paul's leadership, the majority of his letters are addressed from him and 
an assistant or two, mm-hmm. never his peers. Mm. And Paul elevates his assistants, his understudies, Timothy, the young guy, Silas, the, his missionary partner, who's kind of along on as an assistant on his on his journeys. He elevates them to the the same status as him, and it's, he says it's from me, and it's co-signed by these two other guys. Ah, oh, I love that. <laughs> and and not claiming to his own position of authority, but raising others up with yeah. him. So that's the inverse, right, of what you'd expect if you co-sign on a loan. It's someone who's more trustworthy than you. <laughs> yes. And yeah, Paul's yeah. like, yeah, this guy is just as trustworthy, and I'm relying on him. Yeah. I, let me I, name drop real quick. Yeah, yeah. I know Peter, <laughs> James, and John. <laughs> right. right. That that's who that's who condones this letter, right? Right. But yeah. no, it's it's Silas and it's Timothy. It's the people that are maybe perhaps seen as less than. And Paul will, will later write to Timothy. He says, don't, look, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Yeah. And he invites him into that journey and says, hey, I, I want to support you. And that's well, a risk. Yeah. yeah. Which, which remind us, churching entity, there's this lone ranger mentality, which is I'm going to do it so I get the credit. Mm. But in Christianity, you never see them do ministry alone. Yeah. Like Jesus always sent out go two by twos, right? Yeah. He yeah. Could, why did he call 12 knuckleheads with them, right? <laughs> it's like I, I I want you guys to go together and and I want you to go in pairs and I want you to learn how to do these things. Yeah, yeah. I want to be closer than to some of you than others, but it doesn't matter. I still love you all the same, right? You just see this this wonderful melding that happens and then you see the 120 and and acts that are, are together there in the upper room. They're not doing ministry alone. They're doing yeah. ministry together. They're doing life together. Yeah. And that's what, that's what we're called to do. That's what Christianity is. Mm. colleague of ours, I don't know if you guys know, Dustin Hall. He's a pastor in Port Charlotte. Oh, okay. Um, Florida. He lives in Florida. And he was writing along those lines of um, the the ragtag bunch of disciples that Jesus had with him. And he tweeted a couple days ago, and he put it this way, at least four of the disciples were violent nationalists, aka terrorists. Ooh. One was a tax collector and corrupt loan shark. One was an outspoken, uneducated, and seditious. Two were spoiled rich kids with hot tempers. And one was stuck up, a stuck up, highly educated son of nobility. That was Jesus' team. Yeah. Yep. Ouch. And Mm -hmm. he used them, right? And Mm -hmm. they they turned the world upside down. Mm -hmm. You know, I I love that. I want to actually zero in on Peter for a second. Yeah. Um, Because, and I want to focus on a story that we don't really like to talk about whenever Paul had to call him out for being essentially elitist and keeping out the Gentiles because they weren't keeping certain customs. But I see that and I get really excited (laughs) because I'm like, man, I'm constantly screwing up on my growth that, you know, I know better. Like I have many reasons and many people around me that can tell me better, but I do something stupid and God uses me anyway. When I see him using Peter and like pulling him back and saying, hey, out of love, I'm going to rebuke you. Well. Then I'm like, wow, <laughs> there's hope for me too. You know, yeah. and that kind of that kind of brings us back to, you know, the foolishness of this whole thing that that Jesus flipping it upside down just 
is ridiculous. The servant leadership, I think Ty Gibson says the way up is down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that just, that's, uh, uh, countercultural. It is. And I think we just need to lean into that. And I think people like countercultural because Mm -hmm. in this current moment, the speed of life is untenable and burnout has become a, a call sign for an entire generation. So how then can the church in your view, and, and this is just a current obsession talking about unhurry for me. Yeah. So, so how then uh, do you see like servant leadership healing the burden of burnout within the church? Well, I think it's shared governance. It is realizing that, man, I, I used to say this line, if it's to be, it's up to me, right? And just mm. feel like I have to put it on my shoulders and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll make it happen. But sometimes it doesn't need to happen. Sometimes mm. we let it fall flat on its face to recognize, hey, I'm not going to lift this up by myself. I need 12 of you to help me hoist it back up. Yeah, yeah I could probably might be able to do it by myself, but there's a good chance it could splat me, right? Yeah. Uh, so how about we come together and we, we do this together? And so uh, recognizing, uh, uh, Johnny, that in doing this work, that in doing the work of Christ, if uh, it's the African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Uh, right? That's good. When we're trying to go far. We're trying to go for eternity. Yeah. So eternity is not, uh, this thing is not a singular sport. It just isn't. Mm. Uh, and I know that uh, Paul later says, work out your own salvation with, with fear and trembling, right? Yeah. But what he is saying is, yes, you, you're personally responsible for your own relationship, but you're also corporately responsible for the relationships yeah. around you. Yeah. So you find that it's dual responsibility that we're all called to have. Yeah. And in servant leadership, you recognize that calling, yeah. which is, yes, I need to hold myself accountable, but the only way I can truly hold myself accountable is by having accountability partners. So mm-hmm. you're saying salvation is a group project. Absolutely. Oh, I hate group projects. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> My students yell at me every semester. I'm like, yep, and that's why I do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Paul points out in, in Romans 6 when he talks about um, how sin came to the world through Adam and through Christ it, it's, it's restored. And I love there's a passage in there that, uh, oh no, it's the end of uh, Romans chapter 5, like verse 19 or 20. And he said that through one man's disobedience, yes. the world is plunged into mm-hmm. sin. But through one's man, one man's obedience, many are saved. Mm. And I think extrapolating that out to our own lives, what's the purpose of our obedience to God? Because if we believe that we're saved by faith in Jesus and what yeah, he's absolutely done, are. my obedience has no bearing on my salvation. Mm. I am saved by the free gift of God. And then you well, say, okay, what do we do with our obedience? Then we don't have to obey, right? And Paul says, absolutely not. Your obedience is so that others wow. can be saved. Wow. Oh, oh, let's go. And that goes directly on with uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 9, right? I have become all things to all men, so by yes. all means I might save some, yes. right? Yes. So to so those who are Pharisaic, I will become more Pharisaic, right? Yeah. <laughs> to show you that, hey, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to win those who are without the law. You won't even know. I, w- I won't even mention the name of Jesus, but you're going to see how I act so yes. I can win you over. Yeah. Uh, and yes. so, man, I, yeah. I love that concept. Yeah. So I, I just want to focus on here for a second. So, so you're talking about being all things to all people. Like the thing that comes to mind is churchianity would get upset with somebody for acting a certain way to reach a certain people group. For example, I know people who have gotten offended when I have mentioned, yeah, Jesus would be in a bar. 
Like, of course he would. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, take, it, take it to today. Jesus would attend a Black Lives Matter protest. There you go. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but but why, do, why, do, why, does, why do we get so offended whenever Jesus, when we see Jesus standing up for people that we want to see marginalized? I just answered my own question. Why do we want to marginalize people? What, like, what... Looking, looking within um, churchianity versus Christianity, what does churchianity gain from barring people from entry? I, yeah, I, I would love to answer this because it's, it goes across the board. We want people like ourselves. It doesn't matter which side of the line or we, I don't even know if there is a line. It doesn't matter where you stand. You want people that look like you, talk like you, walk like you to succeed because vicariously you're living through them. And so, and and it's what you're comfortable with, yeah. And so, Christianity at its at its core is meant to make us uncomfortable, mm. because mm. it is a it's a different world, right? It, literally, yeah. he's saying this world is not our home. This this we're we're literally aliens that are just here, right? For those of you, okay, not really aliens. Don't go crazy on me, but <laughs> <laughs> you you understand what I'm getting at. Uh, the, foreigners, yes, strangers. Well, foreigners, we're strangers. Buster, to the, we have enough conspiracies land. this year. Like <laughs> I know this year, I know that guy's like I knew it. <laughs> you right. heard it here first. Buster's talking about aliens now. <laughs> so we don't belong here. We we don't the the world the rules of the world they don't belong in Christianity. Yeah. Just like the rules of Christianity, right? And I shouldn't even say rules. The guidelines by which we live by, they're so foreign to the world. And what we haven't realized is that Christianity, we have people that are in churchianity and saying we're Christians, but they're not actually Christians because they don't even know Jesus. Mm. They don't spend time with Jesus. They're actually Busterites or they're Johnnyites or Mm. they're Michael Gibsonites, right? (laughs) That's a scary thought. It is. It's very (laughs) scary. (laughs) Right? And, And the true matter of it all, we know very few Jesusites. Mm. Does, does that even make sense? But you know what I'm talking about. Very there. few Christians. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, there's a word for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That's, I, spoiler alert. <laughs> Christians. There yeah. are very few true Christians. Yeah. Right? Uh, that are actually, and in, yeah. in, in especially, especially in our leadership. The way well, we do leadership. Okay. You you guys were, okay. Most of, most of our guys, right? They're hired and they're sent off. Either either you're in a church or you're uh, or you're placed in a district or your associate pastor, it doesn't matter. But basically you're sequestered and said, Hey, do your duties and make make what you're supposed to do. Go. Just just do it. And so we do it, we do it, and whether in man's eyes we're successful or not, it's usually once again on our own. Yeah. And it's it's also touted to be a competition. It's never when was it ever supposed to be a competition? <laughs> Yeah, like oh, how many? I, I'm. It's probably bad, but I I remember uh, at pastors' meetings, people like oh, how many baptisms did you get last year? I'm like, oh, zero. Either either I say zero, I'm like, I don't know. I think I'm thinking around a thousand now, right? Like, <laughs> it's either one of those two extremes. Because in other words, I don't care, right? Yeah. I I literally don't remember. Yeah. I have to. I would have to go back and like. I have look not st- looked at my service record. I have not. No idea. And and, and I and I purposely sorry to say this. I don't want to. No. Because honestly, I've, I've had some baptisms where I did nothing, where I had yeah. some wonderful church members yeah. that were bringing people to Christ, and I yeah. had the opportunity to do it. If I could go back, honestly, I, I would want them in the baptismal with me. I would want yeah. them doing the baptism, to be honest with you. Yeah. 
biblically yeah. speaking, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. They have the relationship. Yeah, and I'm not yeah. Jesus, but I'm saying is, is <laughs> <laughs> he didn't do any of the baptism. He didn't do any of the baptism. You just can't help but have conspiracies. At I can't. Point. I cannot help it. I cannot help it. But but he he allowed his he allowed his followers to do the baptizing, and as soon as they became disciples, they were allowed to go out there and baptize. Yeah. Yeah. So we believe in the priesthood of all believers, except for. You can't do that, this or this or that, well, because you take some of the attention away from me. <laughs> well, Oof. ouch! I know. Yeah, I have to sit in that a little bit because I, I, I think we have a propensity to do that, right? Yeah. When we we want credit for ourselves, right? and that's the the original um, uh, protect protective device, I guess. When you look at the Genesis account of Adam and Eve falling, and God comes into the garden, like, "Hey, where are you?" Yeah. And then Adam immediately points blame. Yeah. You know, he's like, who told you you were naked? It's this woman you gave me. And the woman's like, are you kidding me? It was the serpent. You know, and just this, <laughs> this, the, and it's kind of an, an inverse illustration of that. But either I want things that will support myself and make myself look good, or I push away what makes myself look bad. Yeah. You know, if you look at what the reformers were fighting for and what they were fighting against, they were fighting for the priesthood of all believers, uh, mm-hmm. Martin Luther. Mm-hmm. Listen, they didn't have everything correct, right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But we've taken that line, and we, we, we agree, yes, priesthood of all believers to an extent. And yeah. I, I, I think we need to take that extent away. I don't know what that looks like for us. I don't know if that means I don't have a job anymore, right? Like, yeah. But I, I do know that some of the most enjoyable aspects of ministry as the priesthood of the church, as pastors, we've been hoarding onto the, some of the, the greatest moments in our in our careers, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think it's time for us to share. Yeah. It's time for us to share, honestly. Like, hey, yeah. we, gi- we give you the reins. We give you some of the resources. We give you, you know, yeah. like shared. Um, and I, I really don't know what that looks like. I'm just now saying this, but yeah. I truly believe that. Well, I think case in point, the the story you shared in the beginning, how one of your students, one of your female students preached a, a sermon at a church and yeah. there was a heart transformation of one of the members that was like, oh, I, I, I get it. I get it now. Exactly. And and it took took one sermon, seriously. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it was a fun, it was a phenomenal sermon. My wife afterwards said, Buster, she's like, that was, oh my goodness. She's like, it was just fire. I was like, yeah, it was fire. <laughs> yeah. And I, my feelings were hurt this morning because uh, I told my son, uh, he's, he's preaching for Adventure Sabbath. Oh, and I nice. said, And I'm telling him what a sermon is because he right now he's just reading it. And I'm like, yeah. what, is, what, is, what uh, a sermon is a conversation you have with the congregation. I said, think of one of the uh, best sermons you've heard. What's one of the best sermons you heard? Yeah. He said, well, it was this past Sabbath with that lady. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing this for seven years and you've been here and you don't appreciate mine. Right. No, but, but honestly, like there's that moment I'm like, praise the Lord. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. Right. He paid it. Like I looked over, he's paying attention. She's a great storyteller. She's telling the story of the woman uh, who, who anointed uh, Jesus feet with the you know, yeah. uh, Mary Magdalene. Yeah. And, and he's just, he's eating up every word. I'm like she wasn't reading her sermon. So he's like, Oh, I get it now. Right. Uh, but yeah. you're right. It, it, it's someone who has a heart to want to do ministry and allowing them to do ministry. Yeah. I love that. And, and we approach, you know, talking about uh, women pastors, like we approach like there's this finite amount of the Holy Spirit. 
Ooh. Like, oh, only only the men can be blessed. And then when a woman preaches and it's fire, and I don't mean fire, I mean I mean like fire. Holy Spirit yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah. Like yep. like we're talking the real deal. When that happens, people get confused and upset because wait a second they get blessed yeah mm-hmm. so churchianity gets offended when you get blessed by someone who you want to marginalize Ooh. Ooh. yeah it, you know and then that person becomes an exception they, there's no way they can be the they're one of the good ones yeah yeah <laughs> yeah oh he he or she they're different they're different mm. Mm. that hurts <laughs> I feel like I feel like we, you know, we want to we want to honor some of the other questions that we have. But I really, I don't know, Michael. You you now I'm telling you, you pull me back. But I kind of want to explore women in ministry a little yeah. bit. No, I think I this think is part of it. this is appropriate. And uh, you know, you're a resident expert, Buster. You know, you're not a woman, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I don't know if we want to go no, there. No, no, we, we do um, want to go there. The reason why I'm, I'm looking, I have that weird, I have this face on, like, okay, we're gonna go there. If we're going to go there, let's go there. And uh, I recently had a conversation with a, another student. Okay, so I'll just put it this way. I In my, uh, my um, school that I'm at, I'm doing my dissertation. I'm doing my uh, doctoral work through the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And right now they're going through a battle of just saying they, they as a body, agree women cannot be pastors. Women cannot be elders. They cannot have that title. Mm. Uh, our church... And I, I correct my history on this, but 1980 said women can be pastors, women can be elders. Matter of fact, yes. women can be ordained as elders, they can't be ordained as pastors, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So when having this conversation with the student, he says, I, I, I share it with him, if you're, if you're worried about that, I was like, imagine being given a doctoral degree, uh, or medical doctor degree, and said, hey, you're allowed to be a medical doctor, you went through the same residency and everything else, but you'll never be able to be chief uh, uh, doctor, right? You'll never be. Yeah. I'm, I'm using horrible medical terminology. Yeah. So you can tell I'm a pastor. Chief medical <laughs> yeah. officer. Yeah, there you go. You'll never be able to be chief medical officer. You'll never be able to be lead surgeon. What is that called, Michael? I don't know. Lead surgeon. All okay. right. <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, you can do you can do everything else in the hospital as a doctor, but just not those things. Yeah. Uh, and so this is where ultimately I led him. Uh, Acts, I believe, fifteen and, and sixteen. I. Uh, how important was circumcision to Jews? Extremely. Extremely, Extremely right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did they determine to get rid of circumcision? Well, okay, ultimately, they didn't get rid of circumcision. But for the Gentiles, they met at a council in Jerusalem, and yeah. they said, yeah, okay, we agree, vote on this. All right, all right, so send out a letter, no more sexual morality, and uh, tell them not to drink uh, 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 uh blood, right? Or or animals that were offered to idols, right? Yeah. Just tell them not to do those things. They don't have to be circumcised anymore to be to follow to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. Now the rest of the Jewish nation, they they probably continued on being circumcised, but yeah. it was no longer a requirement. And so you see something yeah. here called biblical progression. 
Yeah. Uh, our own church has it. Uh, yeah. In the Bible, I'm sorry, uh, this is probably another statement, but uh, there, you can't find in the Bible it says, do not drink. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. right. Yeah. But systematic theology, you've said every time uh, strong alcohol has been mentioned, it's in a negative context. Yeah. So therefore, our church body came together and in council said, no drinking at all. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and I believe God gave us authority to do so. Yeah. Just like God gave us authority in 1980, say, women can be pastors. Yeah. Right? So we believe in Sola Scriptura, but we also believe that the God of the Sola Scriptura is still speaking to us today. And I'm yeah. not trying to speak heresy. So those yeah, of you yeah. at home who, are th- who have just thrown your iPhone across the room and smashed it, <laughs> what I'm saying is, man, we see that God is doing something. Yeah. Right? And I, I truly believe in biblical progression. And yeah. by biblical, it means it has to be rooted in the Word of God. Yeah. And we see women in the Word of God that were being used. Uh, I, I specifically remember uh, prominent women that were one over uh, in the book of Acts that, that were used. Yes. Uh, I think of Lydia. Yeah. I, I think of all these. I, I think of Deborah, who was in the Old Testament. I think of, of Ruth and from Miriam. her. Yes. Yeah. yeah from, from, the, these, from a Moabite woman's uh, lineage came the bloodline of Christ. Mm. Yeah. Right? David was her direct descendant. Yeah. Uh, and you, it is specifically mentioned in the yeah. Bible to show that this biblical progression is continuing on. And now we have so many powerful women that are wanting to be set free in ministry. And we're holding them back because we're going back and saying, well, the Bible says this. Yes, it does say this, right? Um, Paul was speaking to a specific context. But now in our context today, I believe the Holy Spirit speaking once again, and by their fruits, you shall know them. And we see the fruit that's being produced. And so biblical progression is moving forward. Uh, And what what does that look like? I think we're fighting it, but in 10 years from now, this, this argument is going to look different. Yeah, And so the sure. w- only thing for we sure. can do as now as leaders is continue to propel whoever God is propelling in ministry. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think sometimes we can get so frustrated with the system that we miss the opportunities for us to affect change in our local context. Yeah. And I don't want to say that to dismiss anybody that's trying to overhaul a system. I think there are systems in place that need to be overhauled. Of course, yeah. But the way that we can overhaul the system is in our individual lives begin to overthrow the curse. Yeah. God has called us Ooh. and given us agency to be people who stand in the gap, to be bridges between mm-hmm. his way and the way of the world and to call people across from the way of the world into his kingdom living. And we can go around being like, oh, that's wrong here, that's wrong there, that's wrong there. Yeah, we need people to come in and point out the flaws. We but do. if all we do is point out the flaws, we've, we've completely missed the point. That we need to recognize, okay, this is wrong, this needs to be shifted. And then in our everyday lives, and specific to the concept that we're talking about, that the three of us in our pastoral ministry make space to elevate the female voice and the 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 the... the, the the female pastorate yeah. that says, hey, please come in and be a part of Use the platform that I have yeah. to elevate others. Yes. We haven't done this before, but I want to read a passage directly from Scripture and then talk about it in, in yeah, this yeah, context. Yeah, please. Um, okay, so this is Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 5, uh, verses 33 through 39. What, okay. ver- what version are you in? Uh, I'm in the NIV, okay. the NIV. So, so just some context here. Uh, we're we're gonna see the the religious leaders of that time essentially, um, basically complaining and conspiring against the followers of Jesus. So, uh, just obvious obvious context here is that the way of Jesus is new, countercultural, and bringing in way more people 
than the the Jewish movement ever did. Yeah. So this is this is highly offensive for them. Okay. Yeah. Verse thirty three. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin is essentially like the high council of of the leadership, ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied behind him, or rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and his followers were scattered. Therefore, and this is the big point, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. Mm-hmm. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. And I read this the other day. And seeing the derision and angst and constant conversation and just wanting to create these two sides over this issue, this has already been solved. There's a clear path forward. If it's of God, it will succeed. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, it will fail. Yeah. So then why are we constantly trying to mute what God is clearly doing? Yeah. Like, how yeah. how dare we? Yeah. Like, on what grounds? How can we use Scripture against Scripture? That's the whole thing. Ironically, churchianity is very by-the-book and law-focused. Yeah. But this is scripture. We can use scripture to undermine churchianity itself, right? So, 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 based on on that text, how do you how do you how how can we even continue the conversation? I think we're of a similar accord here on on where we stand. We are very very pro women, <laughs> and we see that God is working. So, so I guess the question at this point, because uh, we don't want to be an echo chamber, is how do we dialogue with somebody that disagrees with us? Ooh, Seeing this, yeah. how do we how how do we bring them into the conversation in love when they are in our view, going against what God is doing. You know, uh, having, I mean, in the classroom, we have several young men who are fully against not only women's ordination, but women in ministry. Right. Uh, I mean, they've said some very hurtful and harmful things, and they're, they're allowed to have their opinion. Yeah, at the end of the day, everyone is, but how they espouse their opinion yeah. has to be respectful. And yeah. uh, I think that's what my colleagues and I in the department uh, which all of us stand for women in ministry, uh, we've come alongside those young men and we've called them to our offices and sometimes young women as well. Uh, it's not only men that are against women in ministry, sometimes women are against women in ministry as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but calling them to our office and having conversations with them. You know, I, I could embarrass them in front of class and call them out, make fun of them, but let them know I care about them and I value their opinion. I, and I hear them out. So tell me your, your reasons. Now, will you please hear mine? And then from that, you know, having uh, come, let us reason together. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, I think both sides would love to change things through legislation, but legislation doesn't change hearts. No. Relationships and conversations do. You can't legislate the kingdom of God. No. They've tried. They have. We still do. <laughs> we <Yeah>. tried. <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> yeah, you can't. That's so antithetical to who God is. Because right. God's a God of love, He's a God of free choice, and the one that woos us towards Him and doesn't heavy hand us, right? And if and if our approach to other people is a heavy handedness, I think in in the same way we find ourselves fighting against God, 
in that we have not treated the, the person that we're in direct contact with in a way that that represents who God is or the God that we serve. Yeah. And so we're actually fighting against ourselves. Yeah. Because we have not truly heard the other person out. And if it's a it's a it's a situation where somebody's being harmed or you know we need to step in to remove hostile, hostile yes. environment, like yeah. we, we have to take care of yeah, that. Yeah, of course. This is assuming a kind of more copacetic, yes. a, a good relational blend that's yeah. going on. Right? Yeah. I uh, and and I can't say I've changed people's minds, but I've really gotten the chance for them to ponder and they've gotten me to ponder, right? Yeah. Understanding yeah. where they're coming from, like, okay, so let's use this logic that God has given us, but biblical logic right uh yeah. let's be from the from that foundation and now let's look at current logic right and you yeah. can't base everything off of experience i get that uh but according to spirit of prophecy the book of of nature the book of experience and the book of the word of god according to christ objects lessons uh, some of the greatest life teachers right yeah. so allowing those things to to teach us uh and i found that hopefully i've changed some people's minds uh and, and listen here I'm not trying to get anyone to believe what I believe. I want them to research for themselves to believe what Christ believes. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll tell you right now, I am not right on all things. <laughs> uh, I've been wrong. I've been I've been shown that I've been wrong on so many different things yeah. in my life. But th- th- this is the thing. I'm willing to be wrong. I'm willing to be proven wrong. I'm willing to be teachable. I'm willing to say, yep, I messed up there. Thanks for showing me the error of my way. Yeah. Right? And it, that could change again tomorrow, but I know yeah. God's word won't change. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, I just want to add some definitions as we're talking about this. Like we're talking about ordination, and uh, I don't know if it came up, but the alternative that our uh, our faith tradition, Seventh-day Adventism, has come up with is commissioning. I don't yes. know if that's our creation, you guys tell me, or if that's borrowing from another it, um, everything in Adventism is borrowed, so I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if <laughs> yeah. we borrowed that from somebody else. It's true. Yeah. Okay, I don't cool. know the history of that, though. <laughs> no, I don't know either. Well, at any rate, I would say it's borrowed from churchianity, because here is here is the definition according to the Scratch News, which is a uh, Adventist news aggregator, and um, talking about the difference between ordination and uh, commissioning, um, ordained pastors can do pretty much, that's like the zenith. But non-ordained or commissioned pastors are unable to serve as president of a conference, union, division, or GC. Those are levels of um, uh, leadership within Adventism. They cannot open or close churches. They cannot combine churches, and they cannot ordain local elders. And uh, you guys, you guys, tell me if I'm wrong. But I also think there's a pay raise whenever you get ordained. Is that is that correct? Yeah, it happens with commissioning as well. Oh, commissioning they've, as well. They've, they've corrected that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. That was yeah. that was a huge uh, issue for me. So so like as we're seeing this, um, I, I I feel like I feel like I need to say this in a, a public platform, and this will almost certainly come back to bite me. But uh, we're called to risk for the gospel. So um, I've decided this is a hill I will die on. That. Because of the injustice in the current state of ordination, I I want to be commissioned mm. because I feel like I cannot take ordination and then fight for ordination for women. It seems uh, inauthentic to myself. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll say I'll have what she's having. And, <laughs> and uh, if commissioning is just as good, then I want that. And yeah. if there's an issue there, I- I'm willing to face that fight. And, and uh, I, I've, I've long wrestled with this because not whether or not I believe it, but um, can, am I willing to risk this 
thing, this job that I know God has called me to do for this purpose. And the more I think about it, the more I'm convinced Jesus risked his life for those that didn't have a voice or were unwilling uh, to, or, or in place of those who are unwilling to fight. So I want to use my platform as a white male to stand up for, for women and their rights. Mm. And I'm, I'm willing to do that with and risk my job. Yeah. So I just want to say like that this is such an important issue. The, mm. that I don't know what else to say. I just, I just feel like that needs to be said in a public space. No, I, I would like to affirm you. I, I have a, a couple of friends of mine, um, that have gone online that have said the same thing, that have actually taken that uh, route, and they were actually supported by their conference in doing so. I don't know what the, your conference, uh, where they stand with that, but I want to affirm you for that. Um, you, you know, it's one thing, like, it was after seminary that my mind really changed um, towards women in ministry, yeah. And it was because I actually met women in ministry, and I saw yeah. what God was doing in the, in their lives. Yeah, uh, I was told one thing about women in ministry, then I actually saw one. And by the way, I didn't I didn't agree with all of them. I didn't, you know, what I'm saying like there was several men in ministry that were like, "What in the world's going on here?" Several yeah. women in ministry, I was like, "What world's going on here?" But several men, that was like, "Man, look at what God is doing." And several women, where I'm like, God, right. "Look what God is right. doing." Yeah. So this is not an affirmation of every woman in ministry. This is not an affirmation of every male in ministry. This is an affirmation. That, right. And ultimately, ordination never came from the top down. It always came from the bottom up. Right. It yeah. was always done by the local group of the yeah. church body. It said, we recognize what the Holy Spirit is already doing in your life. And they came and they prayed over them. And right. that's it. Yeah. It's an affirmation of already what God yeah. is doing. And, uh, and markedly, ordination was predominantly for a specific mission, right. yes. not for a position. Ooh. Right. Because Paul was ordained several times yeah. before to go to he Macedonia. went on, on his missionary mm-hmm. journeys. Yeah. He was not ordained as an apostle, recognized yeah. as an apostle, of course, but not ordained to a position, ordained for a mission. And so what we have to look at is when we split off from Catholicism, right? Uh, as Protestants, we didn't split off with everything. Mm-hmm. And our conceptualization of ordination. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a Catholic priest, when you are ordained, you are imbued with a certain amount of power that can never be taken away from it you. It was a mark on your soul. Exactly. That was the theology behind it, right? Exactly. And yeah. we don't have that same theology, but yet we're perpetuating same the practice. same idea. Yeah. yeah. And so we have to correct our theology and correct our, our behaviors. We, we just yeah. do. And so, yeah. once yeah. again, Johnny, I want to affirm you on that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So where do we go from here? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> this this was a tangent we didn't expect, but this is this is good. I think yeah. I think this is uh, there. There are so many voices that are speaking about safe issues, and I think it's important to talk about the ones that are controversial. Yeah. So thank you, Buster, for being willing to to step into that space. Yeah, yeah. and and listen here, I understand uh, your listeners. Not everyone will agree with this. There'll be some people. I, I know one colleague recently who was heavily attacked by another colleague for espousing some of the same ideas for mm. pro-women's ordination or pro-women in ministry even. And he just said, it's one of those things that happen. He's like, until you start name-calling, then I'll remove you from my friend list. But until then, let's have conversations. And so that's, that's what I invite you here to do as well. Um, if, if, if I'm wrong in the, in, the, in, the, in the name of Christ, then prayerfully, he will correct me. Yeah. But as I'm reading and as I'm studying and as I'm praying, I see what God is doing, and I'm just trying to join God where He already is. Yeah, and yeah. we began this podcast with the premise that we're not 100% correct in all all things. No. Johnny pretends he is, um, but <laughs> hey, 
<laughs> but we, I don't we, have an answer to that. You caught me off guard. <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, uh, we, I mean, we both came. You can go back and listen to episode zero and episode one. Where we're like, this, this is an experiment and a and a, an exploration of who God is. Like, where's God? Yeah. And yeah. we want to go where God is. Yeah. And follow in His footsteps. And we've come to a place that okay, this is where we are now. God, what's next? Yeah. Like, how how do I have agency and how have you called me to uplift our sisters in ministry yeah. and to make space for them using our positions uh, of power, for, for lack of a better term? And so I, I would invite our listeners, if you disagree or this has caused you to think in a new way, to send us a voice message or shoot us a message on, on Instagram or something. Like, we want to come into dialogue about this. It's not just we're going to sit from the mountaintop and pitch stones at people. We want to continue to to dialogue and to understand more about Scripture. And yeah. Anybody else can come to the table and offer a different angle that helps us understand who God is better. I, I will say this. As you're entering the dialogue, please make sure, according to James 3, that it is not earthly or sensual, right? Mm. But it is of heavenly wisdom that you're entering dialogue with mm-hmm. uh, because that's where things actually get solved. Yeah. Uh, please be Christ-like in your dialogue. And that goes for myself as well that I'm talking with you. Uh, refrain from name calling, re- refrain from demonizing someone because they look differently than you or, or speak differently than you or believe in a different idea than you. Uh, yeah. Really hear them out and care about them and see them as God sees them, which is a, a, a someone he died for. Yeah. Uh, and and that's, that's, that's where we actually are amicable with each other and actually find true solutions. Yeah. yeah, you guys already kind of said this well, but we don't want to other people that (laughs) don't have the same views as us you know I want to be very clear what I what I think we're trying to say is this is what I believe and I'm willing to stand by it and at the same time as we're willing to stand by it we're willing to admit hey you know if if God works on my heart or somebody is able to you know as we're talking about reason if someone's able to reason through scripture and you know show me that I'm wrong then yeah I'll recant I'll I'll recant that you know we can have a special episode you know I recant saying you know whatever (laughs) however we want to do it but the current state of ordination in my view is unbiblical so in protest I will not accept it that's Mm. that's the stance let's go thank you guys so much for listening and i want to thank you johnny for sharing your heart um i know in the midst of that conversation we didn't start the christianity versus uh, churchianity episode expecting to go in and see that play out in terms of women in ministry and uh, our perspectives on on ordination and what the church does so i want to thank you uh, for your your honesty and, and clarity and your perspective for sure, man. Um, it's a pleasure to be able to share any platform. And, you know, I, I'm i an expert at going down rabbit holes. It's happened to be that was a rabbit <laughs> hole that um, I'm really passionate about. So yeah. so I hope that lands. And uh, if I, I think I think we said this in the episode as well, but um, if anyone doesn't understand where I'm coming from or where we're coming from, uh, please ask. Don't yeah. don't assume I'm just crazy. Uh, I, w- I would love to have a conversation if this is the first time hearing something like that. 
Yeah. And you can connect with us, the links to our social media platforms and how to send in a voice message and all of that is in the description. So I'm not going to bore you with all the WWWs and the dots and everything else. So we would love to hear from you to continue that conversation. Uh, and I think to, to, to uh, maybe finish this episode with a pun, that that rabbit hole was God-ordained. I think hey. we, could, we could be safe to say that that rabbit hole was God-ordained. So uh, we've got more episodes coming to you. Uh, we, at this point, have no idea the release time, so just keep refreshing that feed, and uh, next episode is going to be coming to you soon about evangelism. Or was the rabbit hole commissioned? We don't know. <laughs> Find out on the next episode of Where's God? <laughs> See you soon. Ha, ha, ha.